0: So one of the most fundamental questions we can ask ourselves is, why are we here? Now I don't mean why we're here in this room, I mean why are we here in the universe? Why do we exist? Why does anything exist? Clearly, there's stuff in our universe, right? There's stars, there's galaxies, there's people. But our universe could have been absolutely empty with nothing in it. And in fact, why our universe has stuff in it, as opposed to being a complete void, is actually one of the unanswered questions of modern physics right now. So to address this issue of cosmic importance, we can actually focus our attention on the world of the extremely tiny. I'm an experimental particle physicist. What that means is, I study the fundamental building blocks that make up everything in our universe. I study particles that are indivisible, that when combined make up everything that we know of. So just to give you an idea of the scales at which I work with, I've got this diagram here. And it starts off with a dew drop, drop of water. Water is made up of water molecules, H2O. The H here stands for hydrogen. There's a hydrogen atom composed of a proton and an electron. This electron is fundamental, can't be divided. But the proton isn't. The proton has stuff in it. It's got what's what are known as quarks and gluons. And these are fundamental, indivisible particles. So this quark, for instance, has a size of 10 to the minus 15 millimeters. So again, to give you an idea of how small that is, just imagine you've got a ruler. Your ruler has millimeter markings on it. Those are pretty tiny. You take that millimeter, and you divide that a billion times. Then you take one of those pieces, and you further divide that one million times. Those are the kind of scales that we're dealing with. Absolutely minuscule. So in particle physics, These are the so-called fundamental particles, the elementary particles. These are the things that make up everything. And we separate them into four major categories. There are the quarks, there's the leptons, there's the force carriers, and there's the Higgs boson that you might have heard of. Now what I've listed here, the quarks and the leptons, are so-called matter particles. And in fact, three of them, the up quark, the down quark, and the electron make up everything that we interact with. This table, this room, the stars, the galaxies, they're all made of matter. But there also exists antimatter. So one of the ways you can maybe think about antimatter is to consider the pieces on the chessboard. So we've got ourselves a black queen and a white queen. Now these pieces are actually really, really similar to each other. They have the same shape, they have the same mass, they have the same interactions with other pieces on the board. But they differ by one essential characteristic, their color. Now matter and antimatter, very much the same way you can think about them, in that they're very similar, but they differ by one characteristic. In their case, it's what's known as the electric charge. However, unlike the pieces on the chessboard, when matter and antimatter come together, they annihilate. So some of you might have heard of Einstein's famous equation, E equals mc squared. That's just a way of telling us that we can convert energy into mass or mass into energy. So in the diagram on the bottom here, We've got our matter-antimatter coming together. They annihilate, leaving us with energy. Well, We can also go the other way. We can start off with energy and from there create mass. When we do that, normally we create what's known as a matter-antimatter pair. We create equal amounts of matter and antimatter. And these equal amounts come from two particles, a matter particle and an antimatter particle. Now this is pretty interesting, because if we think that the universe started with the Big Bang, it started off as a very high energy state, very hot energy state. And eventually it cooled, leaving us with our stars and planets and and people. But all that stuff is made of matter. You might be able to see the problem now. Because if matter and antimatter are made in equal amounts, and matter and antimatter annihilate, Why is there anything in the universe at all? Because if we follow this line of reasoning, after the Big Bang, there would have been the production of matter-antimatter pairs. These would have annihilated, leaving us nothing. But there's stuff in our universe, and that stuff is made of matter. So there must have been some sort of process that existed that allowed for the creation of more matter than antimatter. And that's what I study. So like I said earlier, I'm an experimentalist. So I do this kind of research in a lab. This is my lab. This is the Large Hadron Collider, the LHC, located at CERN in Geneva. This is a 27 kilometer long ring located roughly 100 meters underground. Just to give you a sense of scale, those are the Alps on the top. You can also see Lake Geneva. This thing is absolutely massive. And I guess it highlights one of the big ironies of particle physics, in that to study the extremely tiny, we need some of the largest experiments ever conceived. So what happens at the LHC? Well, we create beams of protons, the same protons we'd find in hydrogen. And we collide these beams at very, very high energies. And from these collisions, we create particles Particles that we can detect and that we can study. So I've got a little video here showing you how that works. So this is our LHC ring, 27 kilometers in circumference. And we've got ourselves here the four major experiments, the four detectors, as we call them, located on the ring. So everything starts with a bottle of hydrogen gas. This is the same kind of hydrogen gas you would find in any sort of chemical supply store. And it moves into a series of accelerators. Now, what these accelerators do is they make the hydrogen move faster. And as it moves faster, eventually, you lose the electron from the hydrogen, leaving you just with the proton. These protons then circulate into a series of smaller accelerators. And as they enter these accelerators, They start moving faster and faster and increasing in energy. These smaller accelerators were parts of previous experiments that existed at CERN that have been reconditioned for use of the LHC. Eventually here our protons get inserted into the main LHC ring. And here they're accelerated up to 99.999% the speed of light. And they continue circulating until they're collided at our major experiments. And when the collision happens, we actually produce particles that can then be detected in our experiments. I work at what's known as the LHCB experiment. And you notice from the logo here, there's a CP with a slash in it. This stands for CP violation. I said before that normally you make matter and antimatter in equal quantities. Well, there exist these processes known as CP-violating processes that can actually create an imbalance between them. And I look at that in particular. So this is some actual data that's been collected by the LHCB experiment. Now, it might look a little complicated, but the thing I want you to focus on are the peaks in red. And I've split things up so that you've got antimatter on the left-hand side and matter on the right-hand side. And if we look at the top, we look at, we're looking at a, a process where there's no CP violation. And we see that the, the two red peaks, the antimatter peak and the matter peak, are the same size. They're the same height. There's no imbalance. But when we look at a CP violating process, like the one on the bottom, we notice that the red, peak, the red peaks are at different heights. The matter peak is not the same size as the antimatter peak there's an imbalance here. And this is really, really exciting. However, the imbalance that we see here between matter and antimatter isn't enough to explain the imbalance that we observe in the universe. So there's a lot of work being done to understand these CP-violating processes, to search for them, to measure them, but in particular, to look for areas where we wouldn't expect to find the CP violation. So. Why are we here? Why does anything exist at all? Well, we're still a little unclear on that. But with the work going on at the LHCb experiment and the work being done on CP violation, we're closer than ever to unraveling the mystery. Thank you.